0: Support for the Oral Gauge podcast comes from Campfire Health, an insurance broker bringing together like-minded companies to form coverage coalitions for smaller employers. By pairing our community-based approach with a focus on wellness and charitable giving, your employees will be incentivized and empowered to make better health decisions and to save money.
1: Find out more at campfirehealth.com. Just a disclaimer, the music in this episode does contain explicit language. This week on the podcast is a little different. In the previous talks, I've asked friends to bring music from their country, and they can interpret that in whatever way they wanted. For this week, I asked Eddie Matthews to bring music that commented on a change in his country in a profound way. Eddie is a PhD student of creative writing at Swansea University in Wales, and currently works on a book based around the Tijuana-San Diego border. He brought a song by Kendrick Lamar, and I learned a lot. I won't say much more now besides that the following conversation is about the concept of race and how it's playing out in the U.S.,
0: The selection I picked was a track off the 2015 album, To Pimp a Butterfly, by Kendrick Lamar. Uh, The track is called The Blacker the Berry, and I picked this track because I felt like, upon hearing the ethos of this podcast, it fit really well within the commenting on, you know, the country from which I come, which in this case is the United States. And, uh, so the album was produced in 2015. Um, I, I would make the argument that, you know, musically, it also changed the landscape of rap and hip hop. Um, however you, I guess, define that genre and how much overlay, um, there is there. In the case of Kendrick Lamar, I consider him as a rapper and a hip-hop artist. Um, and so with The Black Earth Berry, it's a song that came out kind of in some ways at the height of a lot of the racial tension in America. Um, certainly, it was written throughout this period of you know racial tension where there's a lot of black Americans being just shot down by police um, and several cases of unarmed, um, you know, black U.S. citizens being uh, gunned down by local police. And so this song comes at a time when there's a succession of of these um, incidences, um, one of which is mentioned in the song. There's a line where he talks about weeping over Trayvon Martin in the streets. New tonight a deadly shooting in Sanford. Police have the gun, they've got the shooter, but they have not arrested him. Sanford police still trying to figure out exactly what happened in this spot here last night. Uh, And Trayvon Martin was a young uh, 17 year old teenage kid who uh, was killed in, in Florida. He, you know, was wearing a hoodie and said to look suspicious. Before investigators can go to a grand jury, a firestorm descends on Sanford.
2: Justice for Trayvon! Justice for Trayvon!
0: A Trayvon Martin could have been me, uh, 35 years ago. He was unarmed. And so, uh, he's mentioned in the song. And then, uh, this is, this album came out, this song came out a year after the Michael Brown shooting, which uh, incited a lot of, um, at first, protests and then rioting in Ferguson, Missouri, which is a suburb outside of, or community outside of uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And so, in the midst of kind of this racial tension within America, Kendrick Lamar, who had really um, made his presence in the rap and hip-hop world, felt in 2012 uh, with his album good kid mad city he uh comes out with this album to butterfly and it's really kind of his manifesto in a sense of bringing in a lot of different musical influences to make a very poignant statement about where america is at in terms of how black americans are perceived and treated and how he as a black man and a black artist um feels you know being from compton how he feels treated i guess by in a lot of ways white society in america before we
1: listen to it i'm curious as to because it's a it's a heavy choice you know it's, uh-huh. i always respect you for doing hard things because it's i even just sitting here as two white people in ireland talking about kendrick Lamar. Do you feel like hesitant to? Do you feel hesitant to, kind of talk with authority on a subject as heavy and as an outsider yourself?
0: Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, yes, the short answer is yes, absolutely. Uh, one because I think there's been a lot of damage done by white people appropriating and then talking about black culture from a place of authority and kind of in some ways uh, reliving this cycle of oppression um, that's gone on um, not, not by bad intentions you know really like trying to like just dis- understand I think black culture but I think taking too authoritative of a stance and of an interpretation and I think there's a lot of kind of harm that comes from that and makes me hesitant to talk about, um, such a like important and kind of consequential music, um, hip hop and artist Kendrick Marr, who I think is kind of, um, I guess at the, at the top of, if there's a hierarchy in hip hop, he would in my mind be at the top of it. And also because I am in no way pretend to be an expert on hip hop. I, uh, as far as like the musical tradition and cultural origins and, uh, you know, talking about the beats and actually like how hip hop is created and the culture behind it. I don't pretend to be an expert at all on that. What I view my place as, which I think is also an important place. So to answer your question, yes, th- that makes me hesitant, especially because I think, um, I think we're just generally at a place right now where we just need to encourage and listen to what different, like, black artists have to say. And, um, but I think there is a conversation and a dialogue that should happen there. And so we should kind of enter into a conversation like this, listening first, no pun intended, (laughs) then, uh, and then interacting with it because I think that interaction is kind of the start of, like, progress and understanding. And so I think um, coming in with a humble state, just really an openness to my own ignorance and kind of vulnerability of saying, I know that because I, you know, have very few black friends and I grew up in a very, like, white section of California and um, you know have largely just been surrounded with like white upper middle class culture that there's just an inherent lack of understanding that I'm not gonna really be able to feel kind of the tension of Kendrick Lamar's lyrics talking about you know gang violence in Compton however I think it's important for me and people like myself to still struggle with wrapping their mind around this because I think that right. that begins It's that's kind of the genesis of empathy and so entering into this in a vulnerable state of being like I know that I'm going to have ignorant thoughts I know I'm going to have hypocritical and um, maybe like harmful opinions that I, that I don't even know you know, we're harmful because I haven't broken through those, broken through those stereotypes because I haven't had that conversation yet. And so I think we shouldn't be afraid. Like that shouldn't be our own ignorance is just the genesis of, I think a, a truly like holistically healthy conversation. We just have to be upfront about that ignorance and then listen and then kind of do our best to just have a conversation because these types of conversations, if approached in the right way, I think are are so healing. It's a difficult thing, though, especially just because you never want to be the one that's um, looked at as a bigot or looked at as lacking in information or lacking in, you know, substance or know-how, especially when you come on a, like a podcast like this, you want to be the person that really has such a comprehensive view and can kind of, you know, articulate that. And, but I think with an album like this to a Butterfly and the timing and everything and who Kendrick Lamar is as a person and the integrity that he has, I think it's supposed to communicate to white culture as well. And supposed to be more of a, you know, the, beginning of a positive conversation rather than an abrasive statement or backlash
2: Oh you know see the rip, left side for the back But now we have a big rip from the black Hold oh, them my serendoms from the start because black But remember this, every race starts from the block Just remember that I'm the biggest hypocrite in 2015 When I finish this, if you listen, it's sure you will agree This plot is bigger than me, it's generational hatred It's cynicism, it's grimy, little justification I'm African American, I'm African I'm black, as the heart of a fucking area Black is the name of Tyrone and Darius Excuse my French, but fuck you, no fuck y'all That's as blunt as it gets I know you hate me, don't you? You hate my people I can tell cause it's threats when I see you I can tell cause your waist is evil No I can tell because you in love with that desert eagle Thinking maliciously, he get a chain then you gon' bleed him It's funny how Zulu and Dosa might go to war Two tribal armies that want to build and destroy Remind me of these Compton crib gangs that live next door Beefing with power rules, only death settle the score So no matter how much I say I like to preach with the Panthers Or tell Georgia State Marcus Garvey got all the answers Or try to celebrate February like it's my B-day Or eat watermelon chicken and Kool-Aid on weekdays Or jump high enough to get Michael Jordan endorsements Or watch BET cause urban support is important So why did I weep when Trayvon Martin was in the street When gang banging make me kill a nigga blacker than me Hip
0: as uh, you and the listeners probably picked up on immediately there's this really eerie um synthesizer i'm assuming with like this guitar loop it sounds like where it's just it's this constant just um charge of this you know kind of obnoxious sounding tune, this screech, if you will. The song kind of starts with that. And then, you know, there's a rap by a guy with an African accent. And I think it really does a great job of setting the mood before Kenta Kamara comes in with his verse. And so I think um, in this song, he creates this atmosphere of unease. And I think that musically that atmosphere and the snare drum and kind of that repetition of the you know the simple simple kind of like snare drum beat uh i think it really works really well with you know his lyrics and what he's rapping about and his timbre and his pace and so i think musically you know what he arranged there's just such a cohesion with the lyrics and it's an interesting cohesion because it's kind of the cohesion is because it's not a cohesive beat there's like this inherent like tension and conflict I can feel in just the way, and it just makes me feel you know uncomfortable and that's really what I interpret Kendrick Lamar is going with, going for is making the listener um just unsettled and then you know through that state i think it, it does kind of bring us to um really comprehend like the power of the the lyrics that he's talking about <clears throat> which um wh- what did you kind of what did you think about in first listening to it what were some things that still out to you
1: the whole song was uh it sounded like it was from a very very deeply seated anger to be honest you know there were lines like you were saying that made me feel pretty uncomfortable um you know i'm black as the heart of an Aryan. yeah um it just seemed like almost the kind of anger people think i feel it goes into metal music yeah yeah i agree with you it just it makes you unsettled i have a question for you do you think that kendrick like uses he's using music as a vessel to get his message outside the neighborhood so we're sitting here you're you're living in san diego i'm living in dublin and we're talking about this issue mm-hmm. only because he wrote a song about it you know do you yeah. um do you feel like that is this point, or is this point to send a message to those who might be you know hateful or, or both, a little bit of both? what do you think?
0: yeah, that's a really good question um,
1: do you think that makes I think it's effective you know right?
0: yeah it's a good it's a good question. I guess I'll answer that in a couple ways um to answer the first question, I think it's more uh trying to reach as i think broader audience as possible in a sense of like black and white culture i think the message of black culture is solidarity and support and um you know also vulnerability because he's you know talking about how he fulfills all these racial stereotypes and he calls himself out as being a hypocrite as well because he comes from Compton there's all this gang violence there're all these black people killing each other when he's weeping over Trayvon Martin getting killed when there's like there's people get killed all the time in Compton who are also like black US you know citizens and people um so he's saying like this: it's hypocritical how I read that is hi- he personifies that hypocrisy calls himself a hypocrite but I see that as like a critique of gang culture um in the hypocrisy of gang culture that you know gangs you know could feel an immense amount of pain and and mourning at the unjust killing of Trayvon Martin and yet not think twice about you know killing someone else in another gang and so that's how I read that hypocrisy so but to go back to your question um I think so that would be the message to I think I guess if you want to separate black culture and white culture I don't necessarily think that's what Kendra Kumar is doing and I don't know if that's the best way to like (laughs) approach this topic but I'll just you know kind of divide it along those lines for the sake of answering this question I guess the the more message to white culture would be um, black people black artists you know hip hop is a lot more than these stereotypes that he's listing off, you know, than it's a lot more than Kool-Aid and watermelon and, you know, he talks about his nose being wide and his dick being big. It's like he's saying all these black stereotypes and saying, "I, you know, I fulfill all these black stereotypes. I I am all of this that you think about me however it's kind of like a fuck you i am proud of my culture i'm proud of who i am as an artist and i just and i deserve to like have a place in this country and i deserve to make music i mean I, i i very much see it as like i'm gonna take all of the like negativity and hate that's been directed at black culture and reorient it to a place of power um, by framing it in this way and in this song and kind of giving you know hope to a large community in the United States Um, so your question was talking about you know if this change could be effective right if like if this was if I thought like whether this was aimed, you know, maybe at, at people who perpetuate these stereotypes or like have these opinions of black people, is that right? I think it could be effective. Um, probably not in the ways of like, you know, making someone who's, you know, blatant racist reverse their views. I don't think that's realistic. But I do think that there's Kind of subtle racism that if you're not attuned to you can realize that you buy into these like stereotypes of black culture
1: this next excerpt is from the second speech obama gave in regards to trayvon martin i think it adds a different but aligned perspective on eddie's statement
0: the african-american community is looking at this issue through uh, a set of experiences and a, and a history that uh, that doesn't go away. You know, there are very few African American men in this country who haven't had the experience of being followed when they were shopping in a department store. That includes me. There are very, very few African American men who haven't had the experience of walking across the street and hearing uh, the locks click on the doors of cars it's not out of you know malice or malcontent or anything it's just out of ignorance and so i think i'm guilty of that in terms of ascribing certain stereotypes to black culture just because i didn't you know i, I wasn't surrounded with black people and i couldn't really like ask them and you know I, I wasn't going over to their house and like sharing community with them you know so i would like to make a more concentrated effort to do that because I think that's really important um, in America right now. Um, And because I think I have so much to learn from black culture. I mean, I say black culture, but I really mean like the person to person, like just community um, that I, you know, that I really value because uh, I had a, there's a there's a black man in my Sunday school class and he's the only he's the only black guy in the class and he's such he speaks with such conviction and power and he, there's a lot of hurt in his life there's a lot of suffering but he is so consumed with the love of God and with kind of wanting to be a bridge from you know, black to white culture but he doesn't kind of negate the, um, I guess, the wrongs that white people have done to his his people over, you know, the last, I mean, however long you want to go back. Um, And there's something just really healing about that, about the, you know, his presence in my Sunday school class. So he he had a, he, he said this thing a few months ago about how black people are strong like they're strong because they've been through so much hardship. And I think that's a really powerful word and a really powerful thing for Kendrick Lamar, someone who grew up in Compton um, in just a place where it's difficult, you know, to, to go anywhere without I think encountering gang violence. And so for him you know he has another song about feeling like the only way to escape you know compton and gang violence and all this stuff was to like get the NBA. and him like he being like a 5'9 dude like it was just never an option for him and so i think there's this just I think he's just commenting. Like, that's what makes this song special, I think, in this album special, is because it's, like, this point of, like, aggregation of all of this hurt and history and, um, you know, racism. But it's kind of, by recognizing all of that and giving voice to it and commenting on it, that's really like step one of the healing process. And I think Kendrick Kumar is such an incredible rapper that all that he's communicating doesn't get lost because of how he strings these verses together and how he builds the song. Um, And so for him to like put a verse toward the end of the song where he's talking about more specific, whereas like, in the beginning of the song he talks more about the stereotypes, you know, of like things that you would just recognize about black culture like eating chicken and watermelon and Kool-Aid, like all that stuff. I guess the more superficial stereotypes that are still harmful but but not really as as harmful as some other stereotypes and so more towards the end of the song he talks about stereotypes of you know like wanting to jump as high as jordan and i think there's stereotypes of the only avenues to escape like poverty in this cycle of poverty um as being like these you know three avenues and i think what he's doing is kind of opening up giving a little more room to breathe for you know black kids to hopefully feel like the future of this country is for them too. And there are going to be more opportunities than there were for him. Um, I mean, he's still a young man, but so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a long answer to your question, but I think it's more geared towards opening people up a little bit more to reconsidering some of the notion preconceived notions they had about, you know, the black community
1: was your initial reaction when you heard this song like, uh, like to open up more to the black community. Is that what your initial reaction was though? Did it take you a while to get to that
0: point? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It took me a while to get to that point. Um, my initial reaction, I think was more, I mean, honestly, I think it was a little bit more, detached it wasn't which is ironic i think because it's this is such a powerful and like emotional song but my reaction i think was a little bit more detached and impressed with like at a literary level i could really see this song operating on so many different levels um and so i think my kind of initial reaction upon hearing it was Wow, I really respect how he was able to draw in all this, like basically how he was able to make this like five-minute piece of literature by drawing in all these influences. And so it was kind of a, a more like distanced appreciation and respect. And I think the more I listen to it, the less I am more academic about it, and the more I'm like drawn into the real just, like, urgency and struggle that you can feel in his voice, so. Hmm.
1: You were saying earlier, in the context of change, you felt like this changed, uh, was it the course of hip-hop in some sense? Um, would you comment on that? What, what aspect of hip-hop would you say it
0: changed? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Yeah, and as I mentioned, you know, I I don't pretend to be an expert in hip-hop by any means, but my interpretation of this um, album is that it's taking a lot of jazz influences, and I think you hear that towards the end of the song. It's like, it's a little bit... It feels a little bit more like the experimental jazz you know, basically when it when it opens up to a playground where anyone can jump in and do their riff and jump out in jazz, I feel like that's kind of like the last minute of this song is just almost giving the listener time to like breathe and reflect within the song even. Um, and so I think in terms of hip hop, you know this isn't the first hip-hop album the first hip-hop song to incorporate jazz you know to have an extent but i think this does so in a very experimental and interesting way and i think this song does so in a very experimental interesting way in terms of like using you know synthesizers and drums and abs i mean all to create an atmosphere within the song um and so as far as hip-hop, I think after this album, you saw 2016 was, like, the most incredible year for hip-hop in recent memory. And I think if you talk to anyone, they would agree. Just by like Kanye West, Chance the Rapper, J. Cole, School by Q, I don't know if you... Classify Frank Ocean as hip hop, but he came out with an album as well. There was just this explosion of like the most important hip hop artists all coming out with albums in two thousand sixteen, and this album was the year before that, two thousand sixteen, and so. You know, I think on this album you see you see a ten minute song, and you see four minute songs, you see three minute songs, you see eight minute songs, and there's just a range there but it's such a cohesive statement and i would say that's kind of the biggest contribution the biggest change is that um this was such a like poignant relevant interesting powerful statement of an album in expressed like one feeling and cared more about expressing that feeling and making that statement than keeping two 12, three and a half minute radio playable songs. Um, And so I think that opened the door wider, not for the first time, because, you know, as I said, there was people, you know, before this who did similar things, but I think it opened the door wider for people to come down... The road later and and realize that oh okay I can make a one and a half minute song that basically connects the song before and the song after and the song after it can be eight minutes and it can be more of an artistic statement rather than um, the top 40 hits thing you know and so I think that was a hugely important thing for for hip hop you know I think just a reminder and a really like setting the bar higher for what artistically hip hop can be that um, it was just extremely well timed not to mention all of the like powerful rhetoric within it you know um, so I'd say that's that's the biggest thing is is along the lines of format in terms of musically how it changed Hmm. and then i think how it changed american society in a larger extent is more content in the lyrics if that makes sense
1: do you want to expand on that
0: yeah so i think like um hip-hop always benefits from great content um but i think in terms of like being a linchpin for change within hip-hop the formatting of this album, like I mentioned, you know, with the variations and songs and the, in the influx of jazz, which is, which you don't typically hear on a lot of hip hop tracks. And, um, and that, you know, consistency of voice and a pretty singular voice. Like there are other, um, artists featured on some of these albums, but a lot of times like hip hop albums will have, guests like featured artists on like almost every song and this is it feels very much just like a, a singular Kendrick Lamar album and a singular voice and so um I think just that those formatting decisions that he made was the most musically impactful for the genre and then I think for you know the greater society and making a statement um, you know, the fact that it's got nominated for as many Grammys as Michael Jackson's uh thriller was, you know, incredible and it and it won several, I think like seven Grammys or so. And so it was very much validated critically and received well. Um and I think that the content of the songs had a lot to do with with that in terms of it being well-timed in terms of, you know, the lyrics and these messages, like in the song, you hear, um, themes of just black people as victims of institutionalized racism. And, you know, he talks about being signed up for penitentiary and, you know, being victims of shootings and, um, really just. Yeah. And then also kind of like the African, influence of just kind of the refrain of like this fixation on being black and what that means and how you define that one
1: you were saying how you know it's a bold move to have these one and a half minute songs in between maybe an eight minute song and 12 minute song and how uh, they might not see a lot of radio airtime I it just reminded me of uh, you know Chris Thiele on Prairie Home Companion uh-huh. playing uh, Alright uh-huh. right, by Kendrick Lamar.
2: All's my life I has to fight, nigga. All's my life I hard times like yeah, bad trips like yeah. Nazareth, I'm fucked up, homie. You fucked up, but if God got us, then we gon' be alright. Nigga, we gon' be alright. Nigga, we gon' be alright. We gon' be alright. When I wake up, I recognize you looking at me for the pay cut Bahamas, I be looking at you from the face down Why Mac 11 even boom with the face down? Skimming, and let me tell you about my life Painkillers only put me in the twilight Where pretty pussy and Benjamin is the highlight Now tell my mama I love her, but this is what I like, Lord knows Twenty of them in my Chevy, tell them all to come and get me Reaping everything I sow, so my karma come in heaven No preliminary hearings on my record, I'm a motherfucking gangster silence for the record, uh Tell the world I know it's too late Boys and girls, I think I've gone great Trying to side my vices all day. Won't you please believe when I say? When you know we've been hurt, been down before, nigga. When our pride was low, looking at the world like, where do we go, nigga? And we hate Pope Paul. Wanna kill us dead in the street for sure, nigga. I met the preacher's door My knees getting weak and my gun might
1: blow, but we gon' be alright. All
2: right, all nigga, right. we gon' be alright.
1: Um, I saw it one day and i thought chris Thiele on prairie home companion playing all right by kendrick lamar like, this is so weird yeah. so i click on it and there he is he's playing it you know he plays the whole thing through to like a very like confused audience yeah <laughs> and i sent it immediately to my friend and she responds back, like, what is... Go- like, what? You know? Yeah. And it, in some ways, it it was genius, because he was routing this song into an audience that otherwise would most likely never hear it. Yeah. I would have... I probably wouldn't have... And then I Googled it after to hear the original, you know? I probably yeah. wouldn't have heard the song. Yeah. And it's a very intense song. The music video is very intense in terms of context of, you know... um, Racial inequality and um, you know oppression um, by local police and you know um, everything that had been going on and everything that still is going on. but about a week later, the video got taken down,
0: just deleted off YouTube. yeah, gone. And is it have is it like searchable online? or do you assume have, that it being taken off youtube is also it's just been not well available?
1: it was uploaded by prairie home company oh uh, i see so i don't think anyone had re-uploaded it by the time it was taken down sure i have the link to the video because i had sent sent it in an email and you go to it and it's, you know, it's yeah it's just a nothing, sad face yeah. or whatever but yeah it is in it's a it's in. It's just a reminder I feel like it is an extremely effective way to you know have your message um, pointed across these audiences that might not otherwise think about um, these issues you know or they might only see the issues through the lens of um, whatever you know media they follow
0: yeah I think because I think that's a really interesting thing that could be interpreted in a number of different ways chris tealy playing specifically that song if he played how much a dollar cost off this album which is more of a retelling you know of if you encountered angels who were disguised how would you treat them you know like if you that how much a dollar cost is a parable essentially And it's a great song. It does not have the like message and, um, you know, I guess profanity that all right has. And so I think if Chris Teeley plays that song makes that decision, it's a much more mild decision. It's still off the same album, still the same artist, still in some ways the same message but it's kind of a different message so what the point i'm making here is that he specifically chose all right from the album which as you're saying is specifically jarring for the audience of prairie home companion which is probably 62 year old white people in the midwest (laughs) let's say and across the nation um And so I think that can be interpreted as something that's really beautiful. Chris Seeley's an extremely talented musician. Classically trained, right? Um,
1: Well, I think he's classically trained himself.
0: (laughs) Yeah. A virtuoso, for sure. Right? Yeah. Um, Has a big audience. Prairie Companion" is a a huge radio audience. Yeah. So I think that's a beautiful thing for the reasons that you touched on. However, I think it also could be interpreted as like appropriation of black culture. Like here's this guy and he's like making this song folk. And I could see, I don't take that interpretation, but I could see that as an interpretation. Um, And then I could see that another interpretation as being like, this is really offensive to me because I've never heard like the N word on the radio, much less Prayer Own Companion. Yeah,
1: he substituted out with Brother. Oh he did. That's what he did, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, so I think I think it's a really and you said he played it like with a like he was into like he was smiling, right? Like he was he played it almost as like a Nickel Creek song, right? Like you're just happy. I think that's just a fascinating that's almost a conversation piece in itself, you know? Yeah. Because it sends a lot of people back to the source of Kennedy Lamar and probably gives people who would never listen to rap, you know, a really strange introduction to that. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting, that's also part of this larger conversation. And appropriation of black culture is a larger part of this conversation. Because it's we don't share those experiences, but if you bond to music, you feel like it's personal to you, and I think, I think good music it's supposed to be like you feel, like like it's your own, and so I think there's something to that. Um, obviously, that can become, you know, you can subvert that and use it for. You know your own i don't know i guess, yeah i guess you can like degrade the source but i think if if you're doing it with the right approach it can really exalt the source and it seems like chris taley was doing the latter yeah yeah
1: Anything else you wanted
0: to say about it? I mean, I think... You could speak to this probably more than I could. About, like... How hard... I imagine the songwriting process is. And how hard it is to kind of... Communicate, like, a feeling or a central message. And so... I think for him to kind of... Basically... Fine-tune the feeling and the ethos of an entire like cultural like protest and movement through a five minute song is immensely impressive. And I think I'm just like awed by how much, how many dots he connects within the verses of this song and not just kind of having the music and like the not that you can separate the lyrics from the instrumentals within a song because you don't have a song well in this case you don't have a song you know without but i think i think he basically pays as much attention to the instrumentals and how those progress and relate to the lyrics as the lyrics themselves and it just makes it that much more of a powerful, you know, statement. Yeah. And we're talking about the things that he's talking about, you know, two years later. And I think people will be talking about this album 20 years later because it was, you know, because it it, it did stir something, I think, at, on a national scale. Yeah. Um, I think I just want music I'd like and I you know again I'm not an authority on music by any means but what I want music to be is to have enough space for the conversation I think have enough space for the conversation to be had surrounding the song and to have all of these different interpretations of what it means some of which are gonna be much more correct, let's say, than others. But I think that's all part of the progress and that's all part of, you know, ultimately living in a, in a greater community together is being able to have these kind of discussions. And that's what's beautiful about art. It's what's beautiful about this song and about, um, I think, just like self-expression in general is that it just it stirs you in a way that nothing oh. else does.
1: want to of course thank eddie matthews as well as rachel milne nolan waterfall and cj Laquesta. if you enjoyed that intro music that was gareth quinn redmond find links to his stuff as well as everything else you heard on rlgage.com i'm johnny pickett thanks for listening